Who am I? I don't know. The better question is, who should it be? Good evening. We will get started. continue to remember each and every one in your prayers uh, on our prayer request list I did talk to Sister Rhonda again just a few minutes this afternoon uh, they won't know anything on um, service up until tomorrow she's waiting for Evan to get back in town uh, so do remember that uh, she's hoping for some time on Thursday uh, that family in Kansas she's wanting to give time to get here once they've got everything ready. Uh, so do remember that. Continue to pray for Sister Donna Faye, Sister Jan on the 8th, 11th, Brother Don uh, Tess on the 11th, uh, Lauren Lee, uh, remember her in your prayers, Brother Jerry and Sister Joanne, continue to remember them in your prayers, Sister Arnold, uh, lifting them up in prayer as well. Remember all of those. Any others this evening? Robertson's family, her uh, graveside service tomorrow at uh, 10 at the National Cemetery. Remember that in your prayers. Anybody else? All right, if not, stand with us tonight. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and get right into the song. So, Father, this evening we thank you, Lord. For your love, mercy, and grace. Thank you, dear God, today for the many blessings you give us. Lord, the opportunity we have once again to be in your house, dear God, and for each one who's out. So thankful and so grateful, dear God, for all that you give us, Lord, and all that you do for us. Asking your Father, touch the families, Lord, that are grieved tonight. 
God, help them, Lord, we pray. We do know, Father, that uh, by your grace and mercy and their faith and belief in you that both uh, Brother Chuck and Sister Shay are now at home with you. Lord, the place we long to be. So we ask you, Father, help us while we're here. Lord, now I pray just draw us closer to thee and one to another through the service. Let everything be done for thy glory. Well, thank you, Father, and praise you, Father, in Jesus' name. And amen. Amen. You may be seated, or you can come and help Zach in the song. Go ahead and grab your blue book and turn to page 256. Here to be here, Sonny's 
And turn to page 276 I kind of 
uh, go ahead and turn over to page 311. 311. Have any specials this evening?
know if we took time to consider the lilies and understand the importance of the love of God, His grace, His favor. I wonder if we would start comprehending just exactly what it cost Him for our salvation. Not, not a I'd say not a simple token. You ever heard that phrase, a token of appreciation? A token of appreciation. We went up to the car wash not too far from our house, and we uh, put in $7, I think it was, and uh, wanted to get a car wash, and they didn't give us one. So, you know, disappointed, but um, nobody there to talk to about, you know, and so forth and so on. It, it was probably a couple weeks later or so. I just was driving by there, and I seen somebody out there, and I went and I talked to him. Told him what happened. He said, well, he said, I can, uh, I can give you your money back and, uh, you know, however it works out. And I told him, and he said, well, do you want a money or a car wash? And I said, well, I'd really like to have the car wash. So he gave me two tokens. And two tokens is $10. I said, no, no. I said, I put in seven. He said, that's all I got. And so I got two tokens. I got two car washes. Because the minimum price for a car wash was $5. One token. He gave me a token of appreciation. And then he gave me a token for a car wash. That's the way I looked at it. I was blessed, and I washed the car, and then I washed the truck. And uh, But you heard of that token of appreciation. It's, it's not an extraordinary amount. It's just a token. But God gives an extraordinary amount. It's not a token of love. It's a never-ending, never everlasting love. That, that's what we get because of what Christ has done for us. And, and when I think of this this evening tonight, and I, I plan on getting here if the Lord will let me to our message, but when I think about what God has done for me and what God has done for us, it's hard for me to comprehend the lack of appreciation and the lack of dedication for God's love toward us. I, I don't get it honestly and truly, folks. I, I don't comprehend it. I, I just, it, it's not within my fiber of being to, to be able to stop and say, well, I understand. I don't understand. I'm going to promise you, I don't understand why God is not so important that everything else is not that important. And I, and I don't comprehend it. And I also don't comprehend the choosing of when God is important and when God is not important. I'll just be honest with you there. I, I'm, I'm talking about us. We're going to uh, be going, uh, if the Lord allows, and we'll be out. And I apologize. Um, I told Netta, I said, I forget, and I forget. And Brother James, I, I, I got to talk to him. If I hadn't have seen him, I'd have forgot. And next Sunday, I'd have, just, I'd have been here. 
But our plans have been, and I've talked to Brother Mike Hoggard, we're going to go visit him and his family at their church. And then he's coming here again in September. But, you know, we'll get up early, Lord willing. We'll drive from here to Festus, Missouri, which is almost six hours. And we'll go to church. God's that important to me. I don't understand how God's not that important to everybody who's supposed to have a relationship. I'm not talking about driving six hours. But it's like I said, God has never said he's had enough of me. God has always desired more time with me. You ever thought about that? The lack of desire we have for time with God, but God has never once said, I, I don't have time for you, nor do I want to spend more time with you. The Bible tells us in the book of Psalms, in the first chapter, that the man of God meditates on the word of God day and night. It's in his heart. It's, it's there. It's something that doesn't go away. It's something that's not bypassed. Or, and if you think of it this way, it, it never takes a vacation. Day and night means it's there 24-7, the way we comprehend. It's there 365 days out of the year, or in a leap year, 366 days. It doesn't matter where you're at or what everybody else is doing, it, it's still in place there. Matter of fact, I will say this, if the word of God or the law of God, however you want to look at it because of the scripture, but if it's there in the heart of man and that's what's going on, that man cannot be or that woman cannot be where they are sometimes because the word of God is there and therefore they have to remove themselves from the situation because the situation does not fit the standard that God has given them to live by. Today, we've lessened the standard so that God is supposedly comfortable wherever we're comfortable. Never thought about that. I never have felt like God was comfortable sometimes where I was getting comfortable and knew that I shouldn't have been where I was. I can tell you, even as a lost person, there were times in my life whenever I knew that God would not be in the situation that I am in and God would not be with me there. Not that, that God is not present, but God would not be abiding you know, in me there comfortably and everything's okay. I remember before I was saved, and I've said this a hundred times here probably, but I, I remember before I was saved, in the condition that I was in and I've said it that I was drinking one night with some friends and God spoke to me and said Ernie this is not what I have for you in life just as clear as I'm standing here with you tonight God told me that and that night it broke my heart I wished I'd have been saved that night but that night it broke my heart that I walked out and I started crying because God did not want me there God was not comfortable there And yet we're comfortable today in our sin. We're comfortable today in our absence. 
we're comfortable today in our lack of attitude towards God, and, and we don't care. And I'm not talking to you that are here tonight. Maybe, maybe if you feel that way, I am, but I'm just saying there's so many people who don't care anymore. God is not more important than anything else that they're doing. I, I thought about this. When we change the service time, and, and I don't mean to go here, but I'm going here tonight, so just pray for us. When we change the service time uh, from 6 o'clock to 4 o'clock so folks could come, and, and I understand not everybody was able to, but, but, but folks could come, and they would come at 4 o'clock instead of 6 o'clock so they could drive home in the daytime, and, and, and they come for a little bit, and then they stopped coming. I'm not saying they don't love God. I'm not saying they don't care, but I'm asking the question. What is the most important thing in your life? And what should be? Tomorrow morning, if I do not wake up, I will be standing before God at some point in time from the time that I go to sleep, if I get to go to sleep. But if I, if I sometime, and I, and I, I guess I'm kind of emotional this way because I'm thinking about Brother Chuck, and, and sometimes I get this way when folks in our church go on to be with the Lord. But, but, but it just makes me wonder, if what are we like when we go to sleep? And if we don't wake up, where will we be? And how true is it this evening to say this, because such a thing's unexpected, but, but to say this tonight, that if you don't wake up, you will be standing before God, and God will be asking the question. Not you, not I. You realize I will not ask God any question. Matter of fact, if you read your Bible, You'll find that where Jesus says that when they cast them, told them to depart from me, you workers of iniquity, I never knew you. They begin to proclaim all the things they had done. And then they said, in thy name. Well, there's great power in the name of Jesus. But can I tell you, you can, you can say and do great things in the name of Jesus, but it doesn't mean that Jesus is in you. I want to preach this morning's message again. Church, God loves us more than we comprehend. God's desire for us is deeper than we understand. And God never gets tired of you and I. He never gets tired of hearing us. I'm going to jump way, way, way down. My notes this evening, if you would. The only reason I'm doing this is because I think, I think all of that comes to land at this point. Can I tell you something tonight, church? We need to have a solid rock to stand on. And we also need to have one to, stand, to land on. Go over with us, if you would. Acts chapter 4. 
he may back up and get one in Matthew in a minute, but Acts chapter 4. Peter and John fixing to get arrested. I want to tell you something tonight, church. You can believe me or not believe me, but I believe we're not too far away from a time in which we might be arrested for the cause of Christ if things keep going the way they are. I said this the other day. I reiterated again this afternoon. I don't know that it was understood in, in, in the present where I'm talking, but, but I'm telling you that Roe versus Wade has woken up the devils in a lot of people. And I mean devils. I'm not, I'm not talking about politics. I'm talking about devils, demons. It's woken them up in a lot of folks, and, and they're mad, absolutely mad, because we're banning, saying you cannot kill an innocent life. They love to shed blood. The Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs, in chapter 1, that they love to shed blood. They seek innocent blood. They're, they're out there to shed the blood of innocence. And this is what we look at today. We don't think it can happen today. But can I tell you, in the day in which they were filled with religious people, they were arresting people because they were preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says, as in the days of Noah, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. So here's the deal. If it's been going like this, and now it's going like this, at some point in time, it's going to end up in America. They're already arrested and killed in other countries for preaching the gospel of Christ. They're banned from preaching the gospel of Christ. Why? Because they hate God. They hate the moral principles of God. And they've created for themselves a God that does not set the standard where God set his standard and does not require what God has required, which is a faith and a belief in Jesus Christ, his son, and the remission of sins through him and him only. I'm not good enough church. I'm not. But Jesus is. Acts chapter 4. Father, help us tonight, we pray. As they spake unto the people, the priests, and the certain and the captains of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them. Can, can I tell you tonight, church, if you look at that very carefully there, as they spake unto the people, the priests, and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. The religious leaders, the guarders of the time, those that were sitting there and basically reaffirming what's going on, they heard what was being preached and they turned against them. It's kind of like in a church. You have the preacher preaching and, and, and 
not to, not Brother Gary, don't take this the wrong way. I'm not talking about you, but, but you have the preacher teaching, preaching, and the deacons get mad because he's talking about sinful things and staying away from sin. And, and then you get the teachers that are supposed to be the teachers reaffirming what's going on and teaching their classes. They get mad because he's preaching things that, that they're not teaching. And by the way, a lot of times in churches, I've seen this in our, in, our, in our past. A lot of times when the preacher preaches the gospel and he plows the plow, there comes a time if the people's hearts are not right where they turn against the preacher and in order to get what they want and do what they want, they remove the preacher that's preaching that way, bring in a different preacher, and when they get that preacher in there, then they begin to go on the direction they want to. And by the way, they find the one that's willing to go ahead and cut the curve. church that I've told this story before church that we were praying about long time back before we came here man my heart was there at that time it really was I reached out I, I tried I told them and this is the comment that I got from one of the brothers at the church he said brother Arnie said, I, I don't mean to be mean to you, but you, we just, they're not going to put you in position here. They want a young man they can mold. The church wanted to mold the pastor. They got a young man. Pray for that young man. Wasn't very long after he was there at the church, he began sex texting one of the young ladies there. They got a young man they could mold. Now, I'm not saying if they'd have got me, they'd have been drawing leaps and bounds or nothing like that. You can see what goes on when you preach the truth. You don't get a crowd. But can I tell you, if they'd have went with a godly man, whether it was me or anybody else, but not with one they could mold, but one that God had set up, one that they could go in there and allow to do the gospel work, allow to preach the truth, that church would have not suffered the way they suffered. And can I tell you, the pastor that they got now, and I'm not trying to be mean, but he stands up there, we've been there and we won't go back because of it, but he stands up there and he reads from this Bible, the King James Bible, but the one he's been studying all week at home is not the same. And so he gradually serpentined his way in there, introducing a different one that they didn't want. And all the scriptures he quoted come from a different version. He was deceiving them from behind the pulpit. Why are you saying all this, Brother Arnie? You know, one thing I find in reading the scriptures, no matter what happened to the disciples in this aspect, the real ones, the true ones, the ones that decided to go the course, they never wavered. They stayed true. 
and why others tried to tell them to get away or change or whatever, they didn't do it. It said they got mad and grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. The Sadducees doesn't believe in the resurrection, by the way. That's the reason they're sad. You heard that old thing? The Pharisees can't see. The Sadducees are sad because they can't see. And they laid hands on them in verse 3 and put them in hold unto the next day, for it was now eventide. Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of men were about 5,000. Can I tell you, I again would say this. The Bible tells us that the church was added unto daily as God seemed fit. But as you look at this and think about this, when they preach the truth, even in, in, even in the disagreement of those that were so-called authorities and, and watchers, when they preached the truth, the truth got through the heart and 5,000 souls were converted just in the number of men. Church, we couldn't handle that, but I'd sure love to see it. When Jesus fed the 5,000, the Bible said 5,000 men, not counting the women and children. We don't know what the number of men would, would have been there when they fed the 5,000. We don't know what it was when they fed the 4,000. I'm just telling you, we don't understand how many people were there and they were feeding them with just four loaves and five fishes or five loaves and two fish. I, I mean, do you say he, he did miraculous? He was doing things. And then we see 5,000 saved. We see 2,000 saved. We see thousands of people saved. Not because of anything spectacular, but because of that which is right. It wasn't an illusion, church. It was just the facts of the gospel being preached. And they seen it. They heard it. They believed it. And, and listen to me. I'm going to get down to this. But, but the whole thought is this. They had a solid foundation. They were standing on a stone. whole thought process tonight of all this is Jesus is that stone. They just wouldn't waver. They wouldn't change. It came to pass on the morrow that the rulers and the elders and the scribes and Ananias the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and as many as were of the kindred of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem and when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? Verse 8 is very vital. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Remember Jesus said, Take no thought what you shall say, for when the time comes, Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, You rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole. Now think about this. This is a following. Be it known unto you all and all of the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead by even by him doth this man stand before you whole. This is the stone 
which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. So, so think about this. They're, they're preaching the gospel. They're healing folks. They're imprisoned. They're overnight in prison, by the way. And the next day when they come out, it does not matter that they've been in prison. Instead of being there uh, uh, mourning and groaning, I don't know, it doesn't record this, but something tells me that while they were in prison, they were probably fasting, maybe not willingly, but, but they weren't going to feed them probably because they're mad at them. But while they're fasting, they're praying. And the next day when they get up, Jesus Peter, he's no different than he was the night before other than this. Now he's even more determined. You just open the door. Ask me the question, so I'm going to tell you the answer. What did he tell them? Be it known unto you all and all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, wasn't very long ago that this had happened. But I like the next part even more. Whom God raised from the dead. Think about it for a second there. He didn't say, you know what, it's by Jesus' name you killed him, but we're still going to declare him. He said, no, he said, you crucified him, but God raised him. He's not dead, he's alive. He, he's not in a tomb. He's out of the tomb. He's not, he's not some, he's at the right hand of God. It doesn't say it in this here, but, but he said, listen to me. You killed him, but God raised him. By his name, by his power, by his authority, he, they go on. They don't let up. Even by him, that this man stand before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders. Now, now, it's like this. You guys try to set him aside and make him unimportant. Now think about this, church. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. That's the song we sing. All other ground. We repeat it. It's a double witness in that song, by the way. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. It's a double witness. We say it twice. Why? Because we know this. There is only one solid rock and all other ground is sinking sand. And when we look at it this way tonight, he, they, they're telling them up in front there, it is the stone which is set at naught of you builders. You pushed it off to the side. It wasn't important to you. But I'm going to tell you something as a Christian tonight. When you try to push off the stone you're standing on, you're going to get on the quicksand. You think about that for a second. You cannot put Jesus aside. Either you're going to stand on the solid rock or you're going to push it aside. There are too many folks pushing it aside, trying to build on something else other than Jesus Christ. The next program is not going to save a soul. It's either going to be the blood of Jesus Christ or it's not going to be saved. It's that simple. You pushed him off. But look at what he says, which has become the head of the corner. You try to put him over here, but he's still square right where he needs to be. What did happen? 
you can't you cannot push off the cornerstone. God is not going to be moved. Remember the song? Glory, hallelujah. I shall not be moved. Think about that. Boy, wouldn't it be something, sis, we need to find that song. Think about this. I shall not be moved. We ought to sing that as our, our theme song. I shall not be moved. Why? Because I'm standing where I need to be standing if I'm standing on the solid rock. Verse 12, though, gets them a little deeper. Neither is there salvation in any other. And that's a thought. If you look at your punctuation there, that's a thought in and of itself. Stop and think about it this way. Neither is there salvation in any other. He just told them everything you're teaching that is contrary to this is not right. There's no other way to get saved. All your rituals, all your religion, all your things that you're doing, the sacrificing and so forth that's going on there, everything you're doing, it, it's not going to do you any good. There's not salvation by any other way. You're not going to heaven that way, church. People give millions of dollars to be remembered. But man, I tell you something, you may remember my name because of the money I gave. But if God doesn't mention my name and write it down, it don't mean a thing. I mean, just think about it. There's not salvation in any other way. Neither is there salvation in any other for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must. Church, that is a key. Must. Think about this. It doesn't happen any other way. It doesn't happen any other place. It's a must. If it's going to happen, it's going to happen here. It's going to happen this way. It's going to happen through him. Can I tell you tonight, church, that I, I love this because as I'm thinking about this even more than when I was studying, I, I love this because here's the deal. He said there's none other name under heaven given among men. No matter what name you give, there ain't nobody who's going to be like Jesus. I don't care who you follow. I'll tell you this much, most TV evangelists and most TV singers are leading people to hell. If you'll sow a seed into my ministry, if you'll sow a seed into my music group, no, you've got to sow a seed in the kingdom of God, which is what? The word of God. Your money is not a seed, by the way. It's either a tithe or an offering, but it's not a seed. The seed, the Bible told us this morning, what? The seed is the word of God. They, 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 listen to me. I know you got seeds you put in the garden. And you get carrots or you get corn or you get green beans or you get cucumbers. You get lettuce or squash or zucchini or tomatoes, uh, potatoes. Uh, you get all kinds. But listen to me. When it comes to the seed sowing in the kingdom of God, either you're sowing the word of God or you're not sowing a seed. Your money's not a seed. Money don't save nobody. Matter of fact, the Bible says the love of the money is root of all evil. It leads them along.
or whereby we must. He breaks it up into these thoughts. Neither is there any salvation in any other one thought. For there is none other name under heaven given among men. The next one, cause. Think about that one there. Whereby we must be saved. The conclusion of the thought is this. It don't matter what you did with Jesus. God still glorified him. Jesus is still the only way. I mean, if you stop to think about it this way, in the book of John in the 14th chapter, and we didn't read it this morning, Jesus said this, I am the way. By the way, he didn't say one of them. And he didn't say he was splitting the many. And a lot of folks believe you can travel down the road like this, but eventually everybody's going to get to here. Can I tell you, if you're going three degrees that way or three degrees that way, you will never get to the middle. It don't happen that way, Charlie. I've watched the movies enough to understand this. When the pilot and the co-pilot asked the navigator how far off course we are, and he says, we're only off by one-tenth of whatever it might be. I don't know what, how they say it there. But let's just say he says, we're off by minuscule. Well, how do we get back on course? Because at a minuscule, it, we're going to be off when we get to where we're supposed to be. So if you're off by one degree, how far off are you? You're way off when you get to point B. If you're flying very far, not all roads lead to heaven, church. They concluded it right here. You better be on the stone or you're going to be in trouble. You better go by the way of Jesus or you're not getting there. There's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. None. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and by the way, I'm going to say this tonight. Think about this as we're going through. Didn't mean to go this far into this. But when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. It, 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 might, it might like been this way. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and they realized they didn't go to seminary, and they don't have a doctor's title. I'm not Dr. Ernie. I didn't go to medical school. And I didn't go to theological school. And I will tell you this. I do not know a seminary theological school in the country today that I would go to and come out the same that I am unless they throwed me out on day one. Because the first time they started up with this nonsense of the things they teach there I would be one raising my hey wait a second that's not right and they could say to me one of two things either you'll get with the class or you'll have to leave I'll be gone tuition funded nope they won't refund it they love money think about it when they saw the boldness they saw the character they saw the steadfastness they understood the principle, what they were standing on, and they wasn't wavering from it. They were, they were there. They, they, they said this, though. They perceived. They perceived. They just thought they were ignorant and unlearned. But they took knowledge that they'd been with Jesus. I don't know how smart you got to be to be a fisherman, but can I tell you, you probably ought to be pretty smart before you take a boat out on rough waters. You better have an understanding of the stars and the moon and the sun. 
You better have an understanding of the wind and which way it's blowing and what it's doing. You better have an understanding of how to drive a boat in the, in the midst of a, a terrible thing. You better understand a few things. They better be a little smarter than I am. Because I'm going to tell you something. They didn't have a boat motor to drive through like I did. And the winds got boisterous and the waves started blowing around on me. I told me and the wife, I said, we're headed back to the boat launch. You know what? We fired up that 60-horse motor, and we drove through that wind. We bounced a little bit, and we did this. They didn't have that. They had sails and oars and hopes. But they had knowledge. They weren't ignorant and unlearned. But the next thing, the greatest thing that they had, they said they took counsel that been with Jesus. how to know if a man of God's been with Jesus. He talks more about Jesus than he does about himself. I see a lot of preachers out there going, I, I, we, our church, Instead of saying God, Jesus, the Holy Ghost, can I tell you too? They 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 have a lot more scripture, and this is something I've learned. The more that I've studied, the more verses of scripture I have, and sometimes I sit here and I go, "You're not going to get all those. It just ain't going to be possible." They got more scriptures to talk about what they're talking about than their own wisdom, so to say. Long story short. Verse 21 says, when they had no further threatened them, so when they had further threatened them, they let them go finding nothing, how they might punish them, because the people, for all men glorified God for that which was done. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus. Arise up and walk. Think about it. Peter, how'd you get out of jail? Angel came in there, kicked me in the side, woke me up, and we walked through the bars. Paul and Silas, how'd you get out of jail? Well, while everybody else was in there grumbling, we just began to sing and praise God, and the chains fell off and the bars came open. 
when they could no further do anything else. They, they could not, verse 1, for we cannot speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they left them go finding nothing that they might punish them because the people for all men glorified God for that which was done. For the man was above 40 years old in whom the miracle of healing was showed. And when they, look, look at verse 23, and being let go, they went there to their own company and reported all the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they heard it, they lifted up their voices to God, or their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in him, who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The king of the earth stood up, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ, for of the truth against the holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before. And now, Lord, behold thy, thy the, the, behold their threatening and grant unto thy servants which, which that with all boldness we may speak thy word by stretching forth, the, uh, thy, stretching forth thine hand to heal and the signs and wonders may be done in the name of the holy child Christ. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled uh, together and they were filled with the Holy Ghost. They spake the word of God uh, with boldness. Another place is said there that uh, when they were done, they counted it glory to have suffered for the cause of Christ and they went and told the others and they rejoiced for the suffering of the cause of Christ. Can I tell you tonight, church, what we need to do is realize this maybe somehow, some way, it's going to take a, 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 a Maybe it's going to take a rough spot. Uh, maybe we can look at ourselves and say we've been in a rough spot. But can I tell you this? Uh, when you come out on the other side, uh, no matter what's gone on, no matter what's happened there, I hope and pray that we'll have the same steadfast faith uh, as the disciples did there. And we'll be standing on the same stone that they were standing on. And when it's all said and done, uh, we'll just be able to say this. Uh, they told us to shut up, but instead we stood up. And with boldness we spoke of it. Because we love God that much. Jesus is that important. First Peter chapter 2. I'll read these to you in close. Verse 6, 7, and 8. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious. And he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you therefore which believe he is precious, both, uh, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner, a stone of stumbling and a rock of fence unto them which stumble at the word, being disobedient. Wherefore unto they are also, they were appointed. To you and I, this Bible is precious. It means something. If it doesn't, be careful. 
because you're probably going to stumble and be offended by it. And I'll tell you the truth, there's a lot of people who are supposed to be Christians who are offended by the Word of God because it tells them you can't do what you're doing. And they get upset. My Bible tells me I can't do what I'm doing. It convicts my heart. I wish I could say I never got upset about it. There's been some times when I'm like, really? I just can't understand that. But you know, the deeper you get into it, the more you understand it. God's got a purpose for everything written in the Scripture. The conviction is not there to chide me and make me feel bad. It's there to correct me and show me I'm loved. The difference. Would you stand with us tonight? Father, so thankful this evening for your love. So thankful for your mercy and your grace. Thankful tonight for your word. God, just ask tonight that you'd have your way in our hearts and souls, Lord. Help us to be what we need to be. Help us to do what we need to do. Dear God, I pray tonight, help me. To stand on the stone, which is Jesus. Not as a triumph, but Father, as a sure foundation. Lord, I'm so thankful for your love, so thankful for your grace. Father, deal with our hearts according to your will, your plan, and purpose in our lives. We'll give you glory for it, Father, and we'll give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Anything on anybody's heart tonight before we dismiss?